Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to The Sell Better Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. Uh, let us know what your role is. That's what we're doing right now. It's how we tailor the conversation to the folks that are in the room. Today, we are going to talk about sales math. Very unattractive subject for a lot of people. But when you become a sales professional, you really start to appreciate the math behind it. I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and I am joined by an extremely smart man. Mr. Jason Bay is back with us to talk all about the sales math that he's been making magic with lately. Welcome back to the show, Jason. What's up? Extremely smart, bit of a stretch. I would say moderately smart. I'll go with that. I'm like a, a humble man, a humble man. Yeah. <laughs> the humility pours from this guy. I'll tell you what. I get slow all the time. Yeah. It's real. It's real. Shout out to all of our partners, Apollo, Gong, JB Sales in the House, and Vidyard. We are super excited to be collecting the best in the business for sponsorship of this show and making this happen with us every single day. Uh, shout out to all these partners right here. Vidyard and John Barrows have partnered to give you sales with video made easy. This is the best way that you're going to learn how to prospect using video effectively. So go ahead and click the link that I've dropped in the chat right here and start today. Vidyard is a free Chrome extension and John Barrows and the rest of the team at Vidyard will walk you through how to create effective prospecting videos. Go ahead and scan this QR code on the screen and check us out at sellbetter.xyz. And while you're online, go over to YouTube and subscribe to the Sell Better channel because this is where you're going to get all kinds of great value. Let's take a look at who's in the room. I was absolutely right. Tons of SDRs and AEs. And look at our senior leadership and our frontline managers creeping up. 12 and 15% of the folks in the room are in leadership. We need more leaders to come to the show. If you're going to impact the behavior of your salespeople, you got to be here, right? Tell your friends. Uh, let's, let's ask this question really quick uh, because I feel like sometimes we talk about math and it daunts, right? People are like, oh gosh, you know, I was just not a math person in school. And that makes me uncomfortable when we talk about math. Uh, so this is what you're going to get today. As you guys answer this question here that I've just launched about your own math experience, uh, we're going to talk about why this applies to you as a seller. We're going to identify some things that you need to know about so that you can build steady revenue. The numbers do not lie. It's extremely important you know that the data is real. And we're going to show you how to optimize this equation of your own so that you know exactly what to do every day, week, month, et cetera. So let's kick things off here. And not to my surprise, we did, we did have a good mix of roles. So let's start with some basics. What's a good place to start when people are dialing in their sales math, Jason? Yeah, I think that if you, I don't know if anyone's big in investing or thinking about retirement and, and no, I'm not talking about Robin Hood and gambling <laughs> and day trading, but if you think about Hey, if I wanted to retire in my fifties or sixties, and I think sales is a cool job because it's one of those things. If you crush it for a couple of decades, you could retire, you know, yeah. 20 years. Uh, investing is a very daunting thing. Your number might be $2 million that you need to have for, to retire. It might be five by 10, whatever it is. That's a probably a number that's bigger than what you make on a yearly basis. And I think with our sales math, a really great way to think about it is what does that math look like? And how do we take that big gargantuan number and how do we compress it down to a quarter? Okay. And how do we make that quarter actionable on a daily basis? Yeah. So you kind of need both. You need that big vision and the numbers. You also need to know the math behind it. And you also need to know what that looks like from an activity and effort standpoint on a daily basis, how much money you're setting aside if we're talking about investing. And I think that from a motivation standpoint, I don't know about you, James, and the rest of the folks, when I have something that is more tangible on a daily basis, 
it's the whole how do you eat an elephant analogy that you hear a lot about one bit at a time. It makes it a little more real. And you have something that you can shoot for on a daily basis, like working out or eating healthy or investing or whatever it might be. It's not about lack of skills. Typically, in my experience, we usually know what to do. It's just the perspective. How much should we do and how do we hold ourselves accountable to it? So I think that getting it down to the daily, that's the goal. That makes the math real. What do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? What do I need to do this week? Yeah, it looks like we got a lot of people in the room that were big numbers people in school. Uh, not too far behind are those that openly admit numbers were not my thing. That was me. I avoided math class. If there was ever a class to skip for me, it was definitely math. I was definitely not interested in that course. Uh, and I like what Manny said here. I hope you don't mind. I call you Manny and not Manuel. Uh, but Manny said, dream in years, plan in months, evaluate in weeks, and ship in days, right? And I like that. That's a good. That's good right there. Uh, okay, so talk to me about territory planning, collecting data, activity and time. Uh, what should even people be looking for? What kind of data should we be collecting when we're backing into this? these numbers? Yeah, so essentially what we're going to walk through today, the sales math, a yeah. part of that is the territory plan. So it's your account list. What is the right mix we're going to talk about of accounts? Uh, collecting the data is we need to know everything from, for you account executives out there, we need to know everything from win rates to you know, how many introduction calls, stage twos, maybe in your pipeline that become qualified opportunities, you know, the conversion rate of a meeting set into a meeting completed. So your show rate, you need to work backwards on your outbound metrics. So you need to know all of this math that we're going to show you so you can get all the way down to the daily activity. Yeah. And then we'll talk also about maybe kind of where to collect, you know, that data yeah. and where to find it as well. So that again, you have a metric that's, Hey, on a weekly basis, I need to run X amount of intro calls. I need to make X amount of cold calls, X amount of, you know, cold emails I need to send. And that's going to get me you know, to my number this quarter. Yeah. I used to say all the time that I wanted to meet some of my teachers in public now and tell them I never had to solve for X since I started in my career, but I, I would be lying, right? Because we actually solve for that X pretty regularly with it, whether we know it or not. When we're talking about these basics, uh, you know, what else should be addressed here? You said to me that we have to diagnose leaks in the pipeline, and you can find that through the numbers. Um, And then something else you said that I'd love for you to talk about is it happens on both sides. The leaders have to do this and know how to calculate this, but the sellers have to do it in their own way as well. So break that down for everybody. Yeah, if we could, I'd love to throw a question out into the chat for those of you that are watching. let us know, have you sat down and used a calculator to figure out what your sales math is? The algebra, uh, if you will, of hitting quota. Have you done that before? Give us a yes, no in the chat, a detailed. Have you sat down and actually punched numbers into a calculator? I thought that we would get pretty mixed. I, I mean, I see some yeses. I saw an Excel go by right there. Uh, you know, that's cool. Heck no. I won. You're the most out, honest. I pre- heck no. I think heck no is where most people land that are not responding right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some, but need help. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I think diagnosing the leak. So this sales math that we're going to talk about, I'm sure you, you can use it in a couple different ways. I think it's great to be forward thinking. So it's no different than an investment calculator, or if you're wanting to buy your first home, which we're looking at here in the next year or two, what does the mortgage look like? And using right. a mortgage calculator, that helps you 
you know, plan into the future, that's really great. But what is also really great is if you have a tool that helps you diagnose what's going on right now. And I think there's different ways to hit the number. And we'll talk about that today. The calculator will only show you so much. There are reps that are probably on your team that they hit quota or surpass quota because they book a ton of large deals. And there's ones that are more like the numbers driven person. They look, they book a ton of deals and they're all just kind of average. And then there's like a mix and a ratio between those two. So I think being able to look at your current pipeline and from a skill set standpoint, how do I address the skills that are needed in order to fix some of the leaks? It needs to be really granular because oftentimes what we prescribe as the thing to get help with and to work on is not always the thing that actually needs help. You know, yeah. so for example, if you're a if you're a rep that has a really high conversion rate of when I get people like James on a cold call booking you into a meeting, one out of every three, but I make 20 cold calls a week and my pickup rate's 5%. Like I don't have a skill problem. I don't need to get better on the phones. I just need to make more of the calls. Yeah. You know, so identifying whether it's activity or skill, effort or skill is what I was taught as a sales manager. Is this an effort problem or a skill problem, right? Being able to identify that is super important. We're going to look at some examples. Uh, Jason's got some sheets here and you're going to get those takeaways. So don't stress. Uh, But before we get to that, I want to keep talking about these things that we're doing to dial in this equation. You said some things that made a lot of sense to me and some mistakes that I've made uh, when we were talking about getting this conversation going. You said people don't factor in certain things when they do this math. There's a week off for Thanksgiving, a week off for Christmas, and nobody factors in vacation time or sick days. And that's all factoring into the number made over the course of time that gets you to the quota. Uh, So is that something we should be doing with our managers? How do we account for those sick days that we don't expect? Yeah. Um, I want to throw another question out in the chat to the group. I'm just, um, when you guys approach your quarter, do you look at each month like equally? So in other words, let's say that you have a $250,000 quota, uh, this month, do you break it down like a third of that month one, a third month two, a third month three, let me know yes or no. How do you break out the math between the months within the quarter? Mm. Even yes or no. And again, we're getting some mixed. I honestly think I'm so much more um, reactive instead of proactive about this math, Jason, as we talk. Because you're like asking questions like, how do I break this up? And I'm thinking, do I break it up? I think I look back at the numbers at the end, but then I don't do anything after. And maybe that's the problem. (laughs) So here's what I would think about. Q4 is always a, a really weird one. I think that Anytime you're doing quarterly planning and you're planning out your territory for the year, that's going to be coming up in a couple of months for a lot of you, is take into account that you're going to have PTO. There are going to be holidays. And it's not just holidays like Christmas. It's not holidays like Thanksgiving. There are four-day weeks too, like Labor Day, Memorial Day. Those tend to be shorter weeks that are harder to get stuff done. Yeah. So what I would recommend and where people tend to overlook those things is don't account for 12 weeks. Like make sure to account for some of those weeks where people are not going to be there. And if I had to make a recommendation, oftentimes what I would recommend and and see work really well is let's use the third month of that quarter as buffer room. Let's build a plan to hit target in nine or 10 weeks. And what I would recommend is if like life in general uh, is a series of sprints, I don't really believe in the marathon method. 
for stuff. Okay. So I like the sprint method. Let's go really sprint hard. Sprint until I'm out of breath and then hang on for a second and then sprint again, right? <laughs> let's let's, oh, let's, shit, let's cramp. Yeah. Let's treat the year from a sales standpoint. Let's do the interval training method. Let's not do the marathon method. Okay. So the intervals is let's sprint that first month or two, and maybe it's the first six weeks. Let's try to work the hardest that we're going to work in the quarter, the first half of the quarter. And then we're setting up a quarter where we're more likely to hit target and we have buffer room if we need it. I think too many people, they just literally break it down three months and say, I need to close 100K month one, 100K month two, 100K month three. Like, I gotta be don't. here. <laughs> yeah. If it's 300K in a quarter that you need, let's try to get 200 of that in the first four to six weeks, yeah. you know? Um, and of course the previous quarter is, you know, pipeline building is going to contribute to that, but let's treat it like a series of sprints. Yeah. Uh, I like this because I'm, uh, definitely not a sprinter and I could probably stand to get better at the skill of sprinting. So, uh, you brought a spreadsheet and I want to give everyone a glimpse at it so they can see it. And I want you to explain how it works. Cause we're going to reference it several times throughout the show. So, Talk to us about this spreadsheet, bring it up for everybody so they can see it. And for those of you that want the copy so you can use it yourself, we are going to drop a link in the chat where you can make your own copy of this spreadsheet. Now, there's a couple pieces to this that Jason's going to explain after he brings up the share. So pay attention, but also make sure that you have that link so that you can go and get that and make a copy. All right, buddy, it's all you. So what I'm going to show you, this is a calculator uh, built both for AEs and SDRs. I kind of go through each version. And what you're going to look at is a couple sample scenarios that I'm going to show you on how real reps, their real numbers, um, how we troubleshoot. Okay. So if I share my screen here, what we're going to do is break this down into a couple different components. Okay. So we have our quota. So this account executive in this example has a million dollar quota. We just chose this for nice round numbers. $250,000 quarterly, their average deal size is $50,000. They need to close 20 deals over the course of the year. So basically the way this is broken out and the way that you would fill this out is based on outcomes. So what are the lagging indicators? That's meetings booked and deals closed. What are the things that we need to have happen from an outcome standpoint? And then what are the leading indicators? How efficient do I need to be with my activity? And then what is just the raw effort that is required to do this. How many calls do I need to run? How many qualified opportunities do I need to create? How many cold calls do I need to make? Cold emails, LinkedIn, et cetera. So the way that you can fill this out, and yes, again, throw throw your questions in the chat if you have them. We uh, want to make- Oh, don't throw them in the, in the chat. They get buried in the chat. Throw them in the Q&A. We will answer questions, but we have to see them in the Q&A or they'll get buried in the chat for sure. <laughs> throw them at the Q&A. So uh, we want to- reduce any confusion around this because there is a, I am kind of a numbers guy, James, I would say in between, like I took AP calculus and high school. So humble. I took AP it, calculus, uh, whatever, dude. <laughs> dude, it kicked my butt though. I had, I had to, I was the, uh, yeah, the, the guy that in the study groups, I was always like, I want to be in the study group. This guy, like the smart kids, because, uh, I'm just like, I've always been pure effort is how I usually go after stuff. So, uh, for you account executives, so outcomes, Let's look at the lagging indicators that you want. Some of the numbers that you need to pull are your show rate to meetings, the number of cold call live connects to meetings booked. So this is, I get a prospect live on the phone. How many of those do I book into a meeting? Cold email replies to meetings booked, accepted LinkedIn connection request to meetings booked. And then from a sales standpoint, 
when something hits qualified opportunities, which is probably a stage two for most of you guys in your pipeline, what percentage of those will I get to the finish line? Okay. So this is the first thing that you need to know. When you put your percentages in here, what you can see on the right here is these are benchmarks based off of customers that I've worked with and also just industry benchmarks provided from your sales lofts or your outreaches or your gongs or whoever, right? So you can see where you kind of stack up and this rep is doing pretty good. Their cold call live connect meeting book ratio is doing pretty good, but it could be better, okay? And then what we're going to do in plugin is before we get to activity, how efficient are we? And this is where we start to get leading indicators, things that are a little closer to us in time that we can manipulate, okay? So cold call connect rate, how many people do I call versus pick up? How many people open my emails, reply to my emails, accept my LinkedIn connection requests? And how many of the intro calls do I run? How many of those turn into qualified opportunities? And again, you're going to grade yourself. And what this is going to do is spit out outbound activity and sales activity. So this rep needs to run seven intro calls per week and 436 outbound activities. Now, you might be looking at this as an account executive, and I don't know about you, that's that's a lot of outbound activity. Uh, we got we got enough account executives in the room. Let's just go ahead and ask, yes or no, is this an overwhelming number of outbound activities for an account executive in your seat, at your company, in your role? Uh, 436, and that's seven intro calls that come along with those numbers, correct, Jason? Yep. So that would be... 87 activities per day. Let us know in the chat. Does that sound like a lot to you? Does it sound like not a lot? What do we think? Yeah. What is that? Mid? Like what? <laughs> some people are like, oh, I kind of get there. Normal. Okay. I see some normal. Sounds like a lot. Not a lot. See, that's what I'm saying. Like the perspective here, like we say numbers don't lie, but like your industry and your vertical and your industry, they all play a role into these things. Horrible. Nasir says, no way. He would never do that kind of activity outbound wise. It's a good call, right? Account executives. Uh, now watch this. Let's see the disposition here. SDRs in the room, 436 outbound activities in a week. Is that a lot? Yes or no? Normal to low? Easy money. Eddie said easy money. Too low. Way too low. Mark Knight, my man. Uh, SDRs feel a little different about these numbers, right? It's low for an SDR, Tom. I agree with you. Uh, and, and this is part and parcel to why this math is so important is because we all view it from a different perspective. So this rep in this case, if we start to think about how do we troubleshoot and diagnose, like what should I work on from a skill standpoint? Sure. There's like activity here. Like I could always make more calls and, and send more emails and I could go the activity metric route. But if I'm looking at this rep, I'm like, hey, dude, one of the things that would be the easiest for you to probably work on is like everything's looking pretty good outside of your intro call to qualified opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's less than 10%. Like, let's say that we even got a 5.5% boost and did 15. Wow, now it's 276 outbound activities per week. Four intro calls per week. Like, for a mid-market rep, that's that's pretty manageable, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think manageability and perspective on, like, what you know your norms are for your industry, backing into this math is yep. such a crucial part. You can't just guess at it. You got to do the work and back into it. It's the only way to get the numbers. Uh, all right, let's. right, we're going to reference this sheet many, many times throughout the show. So don't worry, we're going to bring it back up and you guys all have the link to be able to copy it. But I have to move on because there's a part of this that I think a lot of you have not considered. And I got to know, Jason, 
somebody taught you about a deal mix and you, you, you posted about this and I just shout out to the fishermen in there. Like I view this, <laughs> I view this as a real uh. thing. I had never considered this before, but talk to me about a deal mix. What does that mean? Uh, what's the image here? What does it represent? <laughs> yeah. So I got this. I'll give a shout out to my good friend, Dan Strauss. Uh, when we met, he was one of the top enterprise and strat sellers at Zoom Info and Chorus. And I learned, I learned a lot from this guy. So um, he was like, deal mix. You know, a lot of times what we do is this calculator, where, where there's some imperfection in the calculator that I just showed you is we just said $50,000 is your average deal size. In reality, unless you're doing SMB and it's highly transactional, if you're mid-market or enterprise, and you look at your account list, you're probably like, hey, there are some accounts in here that could be multiple six-figure deals. And there are some in here that probably are 20 to 40K land and expand. It's going to be a lot slower, right? And I think what we oftentimes look at is where are the big whale opportunities and where are the averages? And we don't account and create a deal mix and look at how do we approach our territory from an opportunistic standpoint and look at where are the whales, the really, really big opportunities? Where are the tuna? the stuff that's maybe mid-sized. So maybe our whales are 200K deals. We might close one of those over the course of a year. Or for some of you, the whale might be a million dollars. Depends on what you're selling. The tuna might be 30 to 40K. And then our salmon might be our 10K deals that, hey, we're going to close these really, really quickly. Yeah. They don't have a lot of users. The usage is low, whatever it might be. So what I would recommend the action from this is think about how your territory comes together and how other reps on your team are hitting quota. What does that typically look like? And you want to have a distribution of where do I feel like I have the biggest opportunity of those wells? Where are some of the accounts that look like they have a lot of users? Or if it's an existing customer, there's a lot of opportunity to expand into more users. Mm. And then where are salmon? And this is a tiering strategy that you can essentially use with your accounts, but think about what that deal mix looks like. There's no perfect equation, yep. but you want to be tiering and scoring your accounts and thinking which ones have really big opportunity and which ones look like they're just going to be average deals for now. Yeah. And, and some of you on the SDR side might be thinking, well, that's really specific to AEs. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially if you are being compensated for the closed opportunities that you are sourcing. So you can separate out your accounts in this way, you can go prospect for accounts in this way. And this really resembles the tier one, tier two, tier three that we represent filling the funnel, John Barrows. It's the same premise, except for the fact that you're using it to come up with an equation that gets you to that goal. Um, there's another nugget that you threw out there that came from Strauss that I think is super valuable for people. Uh, put a one in the chat if you are most familiar with the concept of a sales funnel. If sales funnel is something that you have heard before and you are very versed in managing a sales funnel. You know, that is the the golden rule for you. You think about prospecting and closing and upselling in this way. Let me know in the chat with that one. Um, this is a little bit different <laughs> to say the least. I'm a cocktail guy. Shout out to my cocktail lovers out there. Tell me about the martini glass and why it's a little bit different than the sales funnel, the traditional funnel. Yeah. So the question I would kind of pose to everyone is, let's just ask actually in the chat, how many touches on average does it take for you to land a meeting? Give me that range. So initial meeting, the initial meeting? Initial meeting. Yep. The, oh. 
emails, phone calls, social touches. What does that look like for you? We got 11, 7, 5, 7 to 8, 6 to 10. For me, it's 6 to 10. Edgers is 2,000. JK, we got 5. Um, I think we can all agree uh, that outbound is a ton of effort. It's outbound tough right now. Yeah. And it really, it gets harder and harder every year. <laughs> every year, the data shows us that it takes longer to get a hold of people. The reply rates go down. The contact rates go down, et cetera. Yeah. My point here is that outbound is a lot of effort. So you have to be very selective about where you decide to put your effort. From a sales standpoint, getting deals to the finish line, uh, win rates are down right now. Deals are taking longer to close. Everything is down right now from 2020. So your goal as a sales rep, whether it's an account executive or an SDR, is you have to be really selective of where you put your effort and you don't want your sales pipeline to look like a pipeline. You want it to look like a martini glass. You want to take all of these accounts and opportunities here and you want to decide, where am I going to go really, really deep? Where am I going to spend a lot of time? And this is going to require you to get really specific on the criteria for what does my ICP look like mm. and what does a bad deal look like? Oh, the ones that we all chase that we shouldn't? Yeah. We're, yeah, I'm working at a deal right now and I'm like, it's a really good logo. And that's like the allure of it. It's a really good logo. Be a great client for us. There's so much friction in getting people on board though. Yeah. Enablement brought me in and like uh, marketing from a messaging standpoint, the VPs of sales are pretty on board. And then there's like a chief strategy officer that's like the economic buyer, which is, which is weird for me. That's not normally the economic buyer. Right. And this person's worried about how the outbound stuff is going to fit in with their sales playbooks. And there's just so much friction. And we've had to do so many calls where I'm starting to like question whether or not I should continue putting this much effort. Because mm. the hands so worth the squeeze. <laughs> yeah. And we have to decide like what that criteria is and red flags that come up where if I'm encountering a lot of friction and people are very resistant to change, like everything has a cost. If I choose to spend time on this deal, I cannot, I'm saying that I'm not going to spend time on these other ones. Right. Or that I'm going to do outbound and find those other ones. So you really want your pipeline to look more like a martini glass. You want to go really deep where you have the highest odds and probability of success and try to ignore the other ones. Yeah. Don't be, don't be, don't get caught chasing that whale when you could have chased down 10 tunas to get that same result, you know, and that might've gone a little better for you. Uh, would it be crazy to go over outbound quotas right now? Mark, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, you know, Jason, you probably see more data on the outbound side via outbound squad than a lot of others, especially the folks in the room that are, you know, working with teams and siloed to their own team, right? Not a lot of folks have access to the amount of, uh, data that people like us tend to get access to because we talk to so many people. When you think about outbound quotas, what have you seen that's worth mentioning for the folks that lead teams in the room and folks that are on teams, really? Yeah. Outbound, the toughest part specifically for SDR teams right now is that if you're comped on stage one to stage two, so in other words, meetings completed, but then turns into a sales qualified lead mm. or sales opportunity, those conversions are lower right now. They're much lower. And then the closed one rate is much lower. And, and it, it's certainly contextual depending on the industry, but across the board, I'm seeing a decrease in that. So what's expected? Quotas are actually going up in many cases where SDRs are needing to book more meetings. Yeah. And 
the challenge that I see that I've been really working on teams with is it creates a lot of friction between SDRs and AEs when AEs, when times are really good, have traditionally pushed back and said, James, I'm not going to do that meeting because it's with an HR manager. You need to get me to power. That's not a qualified meeting. And there's an unwillingness to actually sell. <laughs> actually sell. This HR manager is someone that I could multi-thread up and get access to power with. Well, why do hey, that hey, when hey. an SDR should get me in front of that person, right? So outbound is turning into, not that it hasn't always been this, but capturing demand is different from creating demand. Capturing demand, that's the low-hanging fruit. Reaching out to someone and them saying, yeah, I am looking into solutions like this right now. Dude, that's like, okay, cool. That's like 5% or less of the market. Yeah. If you're lucky, what we get at is creating demand. So if that's the extra 25, 30, 30% of your market that is experiencing the problem that has not raised their hand and started looking for solutions yet. Mm -hmm. Friction that I see. And really, I think this is a challenge more for account executives than it is for SDRs. Okay. And the people, the senior leaders in the sales org, there needs to be a culture where the account executive is not looking for excuses to DQ a meeting that a, an SDR set with them. If this is someone that is a manager or above, that's someone I can multi-thread with, right? If this is someone that is the right title at an account that we want to talk with, but they're not actively in a buying window right now, they have not raised their hand, we need to still run that sales cycle. Right. We might have a lower win rate on that and immediately the the sales cycle might be longer, but dude, we did the hardest thing that the hardest thing in sales right now is getting that first meeting. We did an initial new logo meeting is the hardest thing. New business. Multi-thread. That's that's part of selling. Yeah. Right. So that's the thing that I see when we think about quota that we just had didn't have to do last year and the year before as as rough because there was so much more volume coming in. We gotta get great at multi-threading. There's gotta be better alignment between SDRs and AEs. And from a leadership standpoint, you gotta really be paying attention to forecasting and the sales math around outbound led sales because there's so many clients I'm working with right now that were like 90% inbound led sales motion. And now they got to do like 50-50 split. Yeah. Dude, outbound is, it's different. You know that. Like, when you hop on a first call with someone that is not actively looking to solve their problem, they don't even know the problem they have. That's a way different first call. It sure is. The company saying, hey, James, we're looking into you guys and three other sales trainers. That's right. It's completely <laughs> different. <laughs> Dude. So you have to account for that in your sales math. So the advanced version of what we've talked about today is you would separate how you perform against outbound versus inbound. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's yeah. happening in the space, Jason, is like these these uh, avenues of revenue are naturally starting to come to the surface and they're being finally, finally, they're being viewed a little bit different in the leadership realms. I, I have to get into this top performer conversation. Uh, let me know in the chat, yes or no, do you look at your top performers performance and try to mirror what they do. Have you done it in the past? Do you do it now? Are you looking at your top performer at your company and saying, what are they doing that I'm not doing? I need to start doing that. Reverse engineer everything. Caleb, I appreciate that. Uh, okay. Uh, one of the things that you said when we talked about reverse engineering, Jason, was the objective is not to reinvent the wheel. 
Tell me about that and how that relates to looking at a top performer or looking at the top performers and figuring out where can I improve? Unless you're on the founding sales team, so you're one of the first reps or set of reps that a company has hired, the coolest part about sales at 99% of companies is someone has already done what you're trying to accomplish. You know the coolest part about the business I run? Training, coaching, consulting. There are other people that are more successful at this business than I am, and it's already been done before. There's a blueprint. So I think one of the things with our sales math, let's not try to reinvent the wheel too much. Let's look at where it's already been done successfully before and model off of that. Now, where you can run into trouble. Uh, I had a a client, 300 plus reps, their top seven reps all made over seven figures a year selling. That's that's good. If you're making seven figures uh, plus a year as an account executive, you're crushing it. But you know what? If you're in your first or second year at that company, modeling off of how those people sell that have a decade or two of experience more than you, that's not going to be helpful. That's like trying to get into swimming and then modeling Michael Phelps or whoever the latest greatest swimmer is like their training regimen. You can I need all of his calories. I need all of his <laughs> calories right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what I would think about is like, what does the top 10 or 20 percentile look like? Apply the 80, 20 rule and then take out like the top 1%. And then look at how to, what does their sales math look like? How do they hit their number? Are you going to get this? Um, there could be data in the CRM that's got this. Um, I think one of the best things that you can do too is just talk with those people. Who are the top 20 percentile reps yep. and have lunch or have a virtual lunch with five to 10 of those people and just like pick their brain on how they hit their number. The other thing that you can do too, and this is really good, is uh, it takes a little bit more time, is in Gong, Chorus, whatever you're using for conversational intelligence, follow like the conversations and the deals that they're working right now. Like follow it, watch the calls that they do. Look at the spacing between the calls. Look at who they get involved in those calls. Look at the sales cycle, right? The average deal size, like follow specific deals. And this will help you from a skill standpoint. Once you've identified your bottleneck, I don't like get better at that. But again, the concept here is don't reinvent the wheel. The objective here is, hey, what you're trying to do has probably already been accomplished at your organization before mirror and model off of that. I think what I took away from this was that I'd always thought looking at the best seller and seeing what they are doing was the move. But in reality, it's a matter of looking at the team overall and finding the things that work for me. And that is how I improved my sales math, my equation. Um, Tilling the funnel, we do the sales equation. I need this many activities to get this many meetings, to get this many proposals, to close this many deals, right? And that's the math that we get people to create on their own by backing into it, doing the activities, and then going back and looking at the month. Uh, And I think that works for a lot of people. But when you look at larger organizations, you're right. I think sometimes we have to avoid that top performer and look at the top 20% and say, how are these people doing this? And what does their math look like? And can I structure my days to be able to match those numbers and maybe see the same results? Uh, I got a couple of questions in here. Let's get to the Q&A section here. And then I've got a few of my own that I might have time for at the end, maybe. So if you got questions for Jason around your own sales math, now is the time to put that stuff in there. And then we're going to talk about something else. Uh, All right. For a new role, how do I get a benchmark efficiency data if there's no historical data? This is a good question. And I think we talked about backing into it, right? Uh, But yeah, you got it. Go for it. 
Yeah, there, there's a section in that calculator for benchmarks. This yep. is built off of industry data and then also data that I see firsthand. And you got red, yellow, green. This is a really good starting point. And it's also built into these as well. So if you're building that sales math, which, oh man, good luck to you. That's, this is, it's such a hard thing to do to build a sales team from scratch and knowing how to project and forecast that for your leadership or for your investors is, is really tough, but that's a good way to, to establish benchmarks where you kind of know, am I warm or not? Give you a good starting place. It is. Yeah. And everybody needs a good starting place. You got to have some goals to shoot for. What I'm saying is after you have a few months worth of data, go back and do the math, right? That's what those CRMs and those tools that capture that data are for. I'm a sales loft person and I capture everything in sales loft. And that tends to be pretty helpful for me. Uh, when we look at the sales math that we get from our leaders, sometimes, and let me know in the chat if this is you, sometimes it feels like it's impossible. What do you do when you do the math and you find out, I can't make a thousand calls in a week? That's not realistic. What do we do in that situation? Well, I think that, so if I'm a rep, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show my frontline leader the math and I'm going to try to come up with a solution for that. So if I got to make a thousand calls, I'm going to look at, well, my conversion rate of call connect into meeting book, it's below average. I can work on that. I can improve my cold email reply rate. Okay, cool. And then I'm going to bring that to my frontline leader and say, hey, I did the math and I would love your help. I've thought about ways that I could make this more feasible, but, but I am worried that based on my conversions right now that this is just physically impossible for me to do. Can I get your help? Here's what I'm thinking. Can I run the plan by you? Mm. That's the first step that you would take is just bring it up, right? Don't be afraid to be like, I did the math and this doesn't make sense. This math ain't math. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that a lot of these, you would be surprised your organization, your senior leaders, how they come up with quota. Mm. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's it's not as sophisticated as you think it would be. <laughs> that I think, so let, let's park it right there for 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, I always feel like leaders come up with quota based on salaries and not the expectation. <laughs> and that's like, that part of it is very confusing for me. I just had to get that out. Like, oh, if, if your salary is this, then I'm going to times it times whatever the freaking number that I want is. And that's going to be your quota. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> that, what does that look like? Let's do the math on that. Right. Anyway, I just kind of wanted to get that out. <laughs> Talk to me more about it. Salary is a, a decent place. I mean, that math needs to make sense, of course. Of course. But math I'm talking about is you just got a bunch of investment. Your goal next year is to 2x revenue and you're already doing $30 million a year, but you're not going to double the headcount on your mm. sales team. Yeah. Or you're not going to invest in dialers or things like that to massively increase the efficiency. You're just going to have to produce 100% more with only 50% more resources. That doesn't make sense. So like, it's literally that is the thinking in these rooms. The CFO gets together with the CEO and the CRO and they think, well, what can we do? And if we got this, we could do that. And oh yeah, we're going to move up market and we're going to start closing larger deals that we've never done that before. We're going to start doing enterprise. And that's literally the extent of the conversation. There's so much pressure from venture-backed software companies to do this. And I think that we're the bubble has sort of popped you know, with that, I, see, I think we're seeing less of it, but the bottom line here, the, the learning lesson is if your quota feels and looks unrealistic, you need to talk about it. 
and you need to show your manager the math. If you're a frontline leader or sales exec, like you need to show your board or your leaders just like the math. It's like, I'm not quite sure how we do this based on how we surpassed target last year. I'm not sure how we double it without doubling headcount. I'm not really sure how we do that. There's a lot of really interesting points being made here about how we speak about the math associated with the goals that we have and our daily routines and activities. Um, There was a question in here that I think is awesome. Uh, Thank you, Nasir, for this one. It says, shouldn't the math also include the sales cycle, like the days that the ops were created until the day that the deal closes? You talked about this in the pre-call. Talk about it for just a minute, because I think this is a variable that has to exist. Yeah, totally. So if I knew how to make a more sophisticated calculator, it would it would account for that. What is it? The RAI calculator. We need that. <laughs> so if you have a 90-day sales cycle, let's say, you know that, hey, the math you're coming up with, like, hey, these, these first call, these intro calls that I'm running, like the previous month is setting up calls for this month of my quota, yeah. you know, and the deals that I'm working. So you got to kind of work that in to your math, but Take it in. yeah, in a, in a uh, perfect world, we would have, uh, <laughs> we would have that built in. And, and honestly, I'm surprised James that Salesforce doesn't have this built into their CRM or anything like that, where you could say, here's my quota based on my average time to close and all these other stats. I'm like, yeah, can you tell me? Yeah, I'm surprised that's not built into some of these tools. I know that you can build customized dashboards that do this, but typically that's done by a Salesforce admin that has all the certs to be able to customize the CRM. It can also be done in other apps across the board. Win.ai, Apollo, uh, Gong will capture all kinds of information and share it with you. Uh, there's a ton of stuff out there that will capture this data. One of the best parts about Vidyard is knowing who's watching the videos and how long they watch the videos. Somebody that watched 100% of my video or 90% of my video has a higher likelihood of responding to my call, you know, if I saw that they watched more rather than 20%, right? Those 20%ers, they weren't interested after 20% of that video. Data is what tells us what we do, how we do, should we keep doing something? And that is the point of this, is that we are building equations based on the data that we're collecting over time. Uh, There was a question in here, where can I look if I'm the only person? Uh, I would suggest networking out and talking to people that have your role and just asking them the question. There's nothing wrong with sending a DM to a fellow SDR and saying, hey, how many cold calls do you make a day? This is where I'm at. I'd love to know your number. You can find an average in there and find people that are similar in your industry. Jason, tell people where they can connect with you. Where would they go? If you want to share that link one more time so people can make sure they get that copy, feel free. Uh, Where would they go to connect with you? I'm going to drop his LinkedIn in the chat. Yes, the Bridge Group, Trish Bertuzzi. What a class act. Yeah, the Bridge Group is fantastic. Yeah, so a couple places. Uh, this is uh, fun, James. I think we've gotten to do three or four of these now. So always always a blast. Always fun to hang out with Sell Better Crew. Um, so you can find more stuff on outboundsquad.com. So we do sales training, coaching for both individuals and teams. And there's a ton of free stuff there too. So Outbound Squad podcast, you'll find them there. I post daily content on LinkedIn for both account executives and SDRs and leaders. And we're just about here in the next probably three or four weeks, we're doing a full like kind of revision of the website. So it's going to have a ton of ton more free resources and guides in there. So everything from outbound to discovery, demos, multi-threading, negotiations, sort of the full gambit for an account executive or an SDR. So outboundsquad.com would be the best place. We're and connect right with me there. I'll have to connect with everyone. 
I'll tell you right now, you're not going to find a, a better person to go connect with and have a real conversation about what you're doing every single day and how you can get better at it. Outbound Squad, fantastic. Follow us on social media. We love to connect with you, the people that come to the show, learn, adjust, get better, and grow. Uh, I want to say connect with me personally at Say What Sales on just about every platform out there. Uh, never met a stranger, just a friend that I haven't met yet. If you're a salesperson, we're the same person. That's what I say. Uh, you're going to get a survey after the show. Let us know what we did and how we can improve. And I want to thank everybody for spending time with us and Jason for sharing his wisdom. We will see you tomorrow on another Stellar Sell Better show. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, everyone. See ya.